Guten Tag, der Bruders und Schwesters, bienvenidos hermanos y hermanas, and thank you for joining us for another edition of Uber Cinco, the podcast game show where we deep dive top fives. My name is Brother Nathan Hennenfent. I'm a Franciscan monk on spring break every year, and I'll be hosting today's episode all about fraternal bonds, where our contestants will reveal and defend their top five brothers of all time. From Cain and Abel in the Bible, all the way to Dwayne and Greg Allman of the Allman Brothers Band, all famous brothers are in play today as we celebrate brotherly love. Joining me to judge and divvy up the scores today is Brian Ernst. Welcome, Brian. How's it going? Hello. Welcome. I'm so happy to be here. I'm welcoming myself. I can't even talk today. It's early. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> now, Brian and I are both brothers, but we don't have brothers. So we don't fully understand the brotherhood picture. Mm -hmm. So we have contestants today that are both brothers, mm -hmm. have brothers, and are each other's brothers. It's Mitch Brinkman and the living organism most closely biologically related to him, Andy Brinkman. <laughs> Welcome to the Brinkman boys. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Appreciate that. Uh, does it sound like it's the same person just talking? <laughs> our our <laughs> listeners might struggle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a, it's a it's a meta game that you get to play this episode. Who which Brinkman brother is talking? <laughs> yes. Is, or is this I, an I, elaborate I, I, ruse I, I, by us creating an alter ego for Mitch? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be sad if I was the alter ego that you created. <laughs> Well, well, welcome, Andy. It's your first time on the show. You're going head to head against your your very own brother. How do you feel like you're gonna do? Oh, crush him utterly! And completely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm actually feeling so much more nervous than I've ever felt for another episode because I both want to uh, make Andy proud. I want to show him up, and also don't want to get crushed by him. So there's like a, this weird cauldron of emotions that I'm trying to trifecta fight back of anxiety. Right Perfect. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, just just like just like being on the baseball field when you were ten years old again. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, the, it's, the baseball it's, field was different because Andy uh, was crap at baseball, so um, <laughs> that was my that was my kingdom, baby. But I got to play first base solely because I was left-handed, and that was it. <laughs> no other reason. That is eighty percent of the position, but uh, <laughs> but anyways, that's a topic for a different sh show. Uh, if this is your first foray into the den, or if you need a friendly reminder, let's wake you out of hibernation with a quick rundown of the rules. Each player in the den has spent time with today's topic, arranging their top five answers in order of importance. Those answers have been submitted to the host who will moderate the game, awarding points to the player with the most poignant answer. Starting with their number five choice, we will move up the ranks until we reach each of their top answers. But if both contestants happen to have the same answer on their list, well, we have an Uber you will hear the official Uber Cinco siren, and both players must reveal their answer and what number they ranked their submission. An Uber stare down is all or nothing, with one player earning three points. After all answers have been read, the host will reveal the final score. Please remember, you can join in on the fun. <laughs> if you have a topic or fast five you would like covered on the show, or if you just have a question for us you would like us to answer, head over to bizbear.biz and send it our way. And don't forget to stick around to the end for my fast five, where I will rattle off my definitive list of the top five guys of all time. Wow. All right. Wow. Andy, you won the pre-show race out of Mrs. Brinkman's womb, so as the <laughs> older brother, you get to go first. Give us Very your true. number five. Okay, so <clears throat> my number five, 
I'm gonna. I'm starting off with a tactical play. Okay. I'm this. I'm this. My first time on the show, but I'm a fan of the show. I know how the game works. So, I think we should start this out with an Uber stare down, uh, because I'm pretty sure that Mitch is gonna have these bros on his list, and so I'm just gonna cut them off at the knees. I think his. I think they're gonna be high on his list too. My number five, best brothers of all time, are the Cohen brothers. Oh. Oh, yeah. You son of a wonderful mother, you piece of <laughs> shit. God damn it. That was my number one. That was some serious game theory optimal God play there by Andy. Mitch, where did you have the Coen brothers on your list? And we all know they Num- were going to be there. Number one, they're the most inspired uh, brothers to ever see anything in their past. So yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you'll have your you'll have your say here in a second. We're gonna let your brother give his reasons okay. why he listed them at number five. Andy, the floor is yours. Please dazzle us. Okay. I'm, I'm so... giving I'm giving double barrel middle fingers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well earned. Uh, like any good Minnesotan, when given the opportunity to talk about the Cohen brothers, I will just leap at the opportunity to just jabber on about why these two good boys from St. Louis Park, Minnesota, uh, have made good and are like two of the greatest directors of all time. Uh, They write, direct, and also often edit every single one of their films. Uh, They actually have a like a a pseudonym that they made named Roderick Janes, who they edit their own films under. Uh, and credit it to one guy uh, because they just kind of like split the credit because they're very good brothers. They're very nice Minnesotan brothers. And that's what makes them great. Also, if I'm being honest, I probably would have put the Cohen brothers much higher on my list had I not been playing against <laughs> Mitchell. But I knew I knew uh, I also know that Mitchell will likely go on some sort of a screed about the Big Lebowski. Uh, and listen, the Big Lebowski is great. It's a great movie. I love it. it but it's also kind of like, you know, that's an obvious pick for the Coen brothers, in my in my opinion. In my opinion, I think you need look no further than Oh Brother, Where Art Thou uh, to justify the oh, Coen yes. brothers among the pantheons of the greatest brothers. It's a loose adaptation of the Odysseys, of Homer's The Odyssey, which how you make that into an amazing film, I don't know, but they managed to do it. It's set in uh, the Dust Bowl South, which is like an incredibly, an incredibly like ripe uh, setting for a film, right? It's it's got magical realism in it. It's got historical allusions to real people. Um, it has an incredible cast of characters playing really fun roles, like John Goodman as the villainous Cyclops. Are you kidding me? Amazing, fucking amazing. But uh, there's two main things to me about Oh Brother that are just like unbeatable. First. George Clooney's first, like, truly good comedic role, right? Like, this was the role to me that proved that Clooney can do comedy. He's not just a hot face. (laughs) Still a hot face, but (laughs) he can do comedy, too. Uh, Ulysses Everett McGill. uh, Like, just uh, so many beautiful, incredible lines uh, written, attributed to this character, uh, including, like, the very first thing that comes out of this dude's mouth in this movie is... Say, any of you boys smithies, or if not smithies per se, were you otherwise trained in the metallurgic arts before (laughs) straightened circumstances forced you into a life of aimless wandering? (laughs) You you just can't top that. It comes right off the bat. And then, as if it couldn't get any better, this movie and its 
and its its soundtrack was a cultural like force to be reckoned with. What other like it inspired dads all across the globe to realize that no, actually, I do love roots music. I do actually, although none of them could tell you the name of another root song besides "I'm a Man of Constant Sorrow," <laughs> and. Uh, I'll tell you what, our our dad played that song and sang that song around the house for like a year afterwards. So there you go. The Coen brothers, a huge oeuvre, a huge body of work, if you will. All of it great. For my money, Oh Brother puts it up there. Also, I'm an I'm an uh, an art nerd. It was the first movie ever completely digitally color timed, color corrected. Uh, and it looks incredible. It still to this day, I think, stands the, the way to do that right. So there you go. Cohen Brothers. Those those are some compelling cases. I am in camp, oh brother, where art thou? I did enjoy the detail of your uh, paterfamilias, as uh, Ulysses Everett McGill would have said, uh, walking around singing that song. That brought... uh, that brought us a nice well of emotion in me. I could see, for those of you who aren't watching on YouTube and are just listening, I've been watching Mitch's face as it's gone through just so many different emotions here where he wants to agree, but he's also getting so angry. So Mitch, it's over to you for your rebuttal. Well, first off, I just love how Andy, when he reads his opening, he's like, and they have a pseudonym, Roderick James, where it's like, how do you not just know that off the top of your head? Roderick James, that's the editor that they have always been. Like, duh, 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 duh. Of course, of course, of course. Um, oh, okay, do, do you even know where the, the title of the film, Oh Brother, Arthur, comes from? Do you know that one? It's a Preston Sturgis film, Sullivan's Travels. In that film, it's based off of a book called The Brother Art Thou, okay? That's the deep cut knowledge that I'm bringing to this this conversation. (laughs) Also, The Coen Brothers. Big Lebowski is a great film. Yes, of course. It's incredible. Uh, Came about in the late 90s when um, uh, multiplexes were spreading across the country. They needed more films to to fill it all, and they got the money. They got to do this weird, incredible um, rug epic. But what you really need to think about with The Coen Brothers is how (laughs) – each film they rug make epic. has it's a rug epic. It's a there haven't been many epic. others made. I just I can't think no, of a different one. I'm trying to think of another rug epic, and I don't know, like the scene from Matilda when the kid lands on the rug, and I don't know. That's see, that's that's such a small scene that doesn't make any sense. Um, no, like every film they make has a has a big idea behind it. It's beautifully constructed. Um, uh, one of the uh, a great uh, example of it again. Uh, a regular theme in their work is uh, their films later becoming cult followings, not doing great at the box office initially, is the Hudsucker Proxy. It's a circle, man. That's all it is. A circle reinvents itself continuously, moves the world forward. The cycles of of, of greed and, and capitalism uh, run through the characters. The the people they hate, they become themselves. Uh, it's, it's, it's an incredible um, display of, of artistry. And also I want to say, I can top Andy here because I have a personal story, a personal connection to the brothers, to the Big Lebowski, to one of the greatest American actors ever. And that was when uh, we were interviewing, uh, or I shouldn't say interview, I was running the camera, we were talking to Sam Elliott, and he told the best story ever from the Lebowski set when he's doing that last scene right into the camera, and he's doing it like 13, 14 times. And famously, the Coen brothers don't give a lot of direction on set either they kind of like let their actors work or they do a bunch of pre-production work so they know what they're doing take 14 sam elliott turns to the brothers is like you know what the hell am i doing here guys you know you i, I feel like a cactus with his dick out in the wind or whatever and then the brothers go oh we 
We had it on the third take. We just love watching you work. I mean, right <laughs> there. <laughs> Sam Elliott said that to our faces. We were, we were feet away. Um, there's there's there, there's just no better. There's no better than the brothers. Um, and um, they, 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 they came up the hard way. Uh, they started out, um, uh, Joel was an editor for horror films. Uh, their first film, uh, Blood Simple, they raised money from family and friends and bozos, the three Bs, that's what they say when you're raising money for film. Uh, a, a, a little sneaky, a little dirty. Their first film, they filmed uh, non-union, so it was much cheaper down in Texas. Uh, that helped get it done, but they did what they had to do uh, to deliver their first film, a masterpiece, um, and I, I'm not, I'm not uh, counting intolerable cruelty uh, in there, but um, everything else has been absolutely uh, amazing. So um, again, Andy touched on it, the artistry, the colors. Um, uh, you, you didn't even mention the the legend himself. I know I'm going on here, but I have a lot to say. As my number one, I, I, <laughs> yeah, the notes please. I sent you. That's all I wrote down. Everything else is right off top of the old noggin here. Roger Deakins. Roger Deakins mm-hmm. should have won an Oscar decades before he did um it it just the the, the camera moves everything the uh the, the shots and also m- my favorite line from the big lebowski it's it's it, it might be a little uh tawdry or or a little uh, off color but when the big lebowski himself says um I, uh, my legs he's referring to his legs a chinaman took them from from me in korea uh it's a it, it just <laughs> perfectly encapsulates the character uh how he's just inward looking how he's just this you know greedy, uh, awful white guy who's been handed literally everything to him. He hasn't had to work for it. So, um, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm laying that at your feet. Uh, thank you very much, guys. I appreciate uh, you two. And uh, Brian, I know you are not a Coen Brothers lover or fan, but I respect your opinion and I value your insights. So thank you very much. Uh, I, I am so glad I'm off the hook on this one. <laughs> I have, can I inject one super fast Coen Brothers story? Because I just know, just to needle Mitchell just a little bit more. I, so one, uh, I, was, I was at home. I think I was living in either Chicago or maybe Kansas City at the time. I came home to Minneapolis for Christmas and I was doing last minute Christmas shopping. Um, I went to like a thrift store and and found the Lebowski sweater hanging on a rack at this thrift store. And this thrift store was a place, it wasn't like a Goodwill uh, or whatever. This was like a boutique place that bought like vintage raw denim and shit like that. And so I like asked the lady, I was like, is this the Lebowski sweater? And she was like, oh yeah, funny enough, actually that is like, that's from the production of the movie. That's one of like 14 or 15 Sears sweaters that they used. Like in, I don't know if it was B unit filming that happened in Minnesota or whatever. This could have been bullshit, but this is what the lady told me. And I was like, incredible. And it was the sweater, but mm, Andy was too broke to buy a $350 sweater for Mitchell. So he didn't get the actual Big Lebowski sweater for Christmas. Oh my God. Oh, well, well, well here, heartbreak. here. I, I, I have a counterpoint to this. Andy, so yes, Andy, that may have been apocryphal because famously, <laughs> The wardrobe of the dude came directly from Jeff Bridges' own closet. So unless he brought unless he brought that and they remade it 14 times over, there's a good chance they didn't have 14 different Are you saying Jeff Bridges on, doesn't on shop Steve. at Sears? Yeah. <laughs> Mitch is, Mitch is going to have to keep telling himself that for the rest of his life just so he doesn't have to live in a world where he almost had the Lebowski sweater. But Brian, it's it's your time to weigh in here. You are of the four of us who have gathered here together in this sacred ritual. You are the one who is least enthusiastic about the Coen brothers. But all the power rests with you 
to give out the three points for the Uber stare down. This is this is true. I I would say I am not not a Coen Brothers fan. I was slow to the party. I will say this. I needed to age and mature. I needed to mature into the brothers. Um, now there's a lot of things happening here. Mitch did help me shoot an interview with Sam Elliott, but his angle was out of focus. So I don't know if this counts. <laughs> and on oh. Andy's side, you used the the term oeuvre first and you mentioned color grading. Now, this is where I'm stuck. I feel like for the sake of our friendship, I need to award the three points to Mitchell Brinkman. <laughs> or I will, well, he clearly deserves them more than or, I do. Or, or, or I'll never hear from him again. So for the sake of this show and the audience, the Uber stare down you. goes to How Mitch Brinkman. How dare you use our friendship? How dare you, spineless I, coward. <laughs> you know, just for that, give the three points to Andy. I'm gonna win this motherfucker anyway. I don't know. I I already had it pre-written on my uh it's in- on my outro here. If 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 Brian had gone Andy's way, I already said and Mitch Brinkman on his final appearance on Uber Cinco. <laughs> I, was, I was ready to admit it's never coming back. <laughs> so you have the three oh, points. All right, Mitch. so so Mitch is going to take you. the three points reluctantly as uh yeah. as this struggle of the two brothers uh continues and Mitch it's also uh your turn to give us your number 5 on your list. Sure. My number five, they're not only brothers, but they're twins. <laughs> Ooh. And that is Vincent and Julius from the film, the great 80s classic, Twins. <laughs> <laughs> and who, who, who are that, the fine thespians that played these two twins? Of course, uh, Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, they're separated <laughs> at birth. Their mom is told that both babies died. Very dark. Uh, <laughs> what a hilarious premise. <laughs> right? V- Vincent Vincent goes to L.A., lives in an orphanage, seduces a nun, escapes the orphanage, and is living a life as a as a street hustler in uh, in, in, in L.A. Um, I don't think he lives in Glendale. I think at this point in the 80s, you could live kind of anywhere in L.A. Uh, it's a little more affordable. Julius is raised on an island by scientists that test his mental acuity. They make sure he's a, a world-class athlete. He, of course, comes to find his brother uh, at the age of 35, DeVito, and uh, they can't believe it that they're brothers because, you know, uh, Schwarzenegger, DeVito, and this is where the this is where the hilarity comes in, you guys. <laughs> they're they're twins, technically. Uh, and this is kind of what I remember when I saw this film recently uh, again, I kind of thought about like, man, I bet this is what Andy felt like when I was born and came along, like he's this kind of like little ragamuffin street hustler. And here comes this just like Adonis, um, really tall, great head of hair, um, earnest, uh, heart is open, willing to trust people, um, very intelligent, uh, fast, very fast. Um, all these things. Uh, also in this film throughout, much like I do, Schwarzenegger wears a blazer with shorts, um, which is Looks utterly stupid, but uh, <laughs> you know, I've done that many times throughout my life. Um, and uh, this this film is just like it's one of those great '80s films where the premise is just it's it's so thin and flimsy, but they they just adhere to it. And uh, on top of this like surface comedy, there's some real darkness. Like their mom thinks they're dead the whole time, and then when they go to find their mom, she rejects them and uh, it doesn't believe that. Her, that it, that her children are alive she's like there's no way there's no way but again like in many 80s films if someone just asked one question or two and another person answered it they'd be like oh oh yeah and then everything would be fixed and it'd be fine and and things would move forward um 
but there's there, there's there's a, a pretty there's a long and dark legacy to this film that I I discovered, and if this is not you know uh, a definite thing, this is something that I read in words, but but I I kind of um, I extrapolated a bit. So when they were making this movie, the studio was like, we don't want to let Schwarzenegger do comedy because he's obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger. He sucks at acting. He doesn't have the the, the subtlety to pull off jokes. So they didn't uh, – him, DeVito, and Reitman did not take salaries for this film. They just did profit participation. They made it for like $15 bucks, or whatever. Goes on to make over $200 million. So all of them earned this enormous paycheck. Like they got 20%. Of the re- of the box office revenue, that's a shit ton of cash, and so this made uh, them a bunch of money. And Arnold Schwarzenegger was on record as saying, "It proved that investing in yourself works." And so from then, <laughs> comedies with Ivan Reitman, uh. Kindergarten Cop, which is like eh, Junior. We know how that turned out. Um, but then this, but then what that means is this then led to Jingle All the Way, which is the darkest stain ever on Minnesota and Christmas all at once. And so <laughs> this movie, that is, that's even an arrow to your Achilles heel, Mitchell, <laughs> Minnesota and Christmas at the same time. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And so I, even though I don't, li- I obviously don't like that legacy. It's so important, uh, to Arnold trying to destroy, um, film in the early 90s uh with his performances <laughs> that uh i i it, it deigned mentioning so um that's was, was junior that's the movie where five. arnold is uh, pregnant also, am i remembering that correctly yes 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 you are right about that yeah <laughs> which which is the more biological impossibility arnold and danny devito being twins or Arnold being pregnant. I don't, they're both Honestly, I think it's the twins. Of- <laughs> I think it's the twins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if it, also in this film, DeVito, you just so clearly see the lines towards Frank Reynolds, you know? Yeah. Like um, <laughs> it's just like his line deliveries, the things he says, his scumbagginess, it's all there. Um and in classic 80s like first draft green light status with this film, uh the the bad guy the, the industrialist, his name is Beetroot McKinley, which I just love so much. Um, <laughs> it's just, Beetroot just, McKinley. Beetroot McKinley, played by Trey Wilson, who was in Raised in Arizona, a Coen Brother classic film, playing Nathan Arizona, Arizona's largest uh, furniture dealer. So, um, I mean, the, the connections just keep on coming. Uh, I apologize for, for just It's a world of brothers. We just live in yeah, all right, exactly. well, uh, so, Brian, that's it Brian, me. please, uh, please give out your judgment on. You were already very generous towards Mitch on the the stare down. So, how many more points can you possibly award him here? Well, this is where this is where my generosity five. ends. Uh, <laughs> all right, you had me at twins, then you mm-hmm. lost me when you said you watched twins again, which means it required a second viewing. Then you shit on Kindergarten Cop and Jingle All the Way, two of the most important films of my upbringing. So you are down to one point, sir, for this round. Jesus. Jingle All the Way. Go wait. Kindergarten Cop has got, it's not the Duma. Okay, you got that. And then Jingle All the Way, you got, Jamie, Jamie, I need a Turbo Man. Like, you can't. Uh, just, you're just down to one point. Just. To, to just when you're editing this, just take the time to go back and listen to to those lines you just said, yeah. and, and, and just award yourself, more points to myself. Okay, Correct. Just, yeah, okay. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Well, for Brian. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mitch has Mitch has taken a commanding lead so far, but there's a long way to go. And Andy, your chance to make up ground starts now. Please give us your number four. 
Yeah, so for my number four, I went with a little bit of a dark horse candidate here. <laughs> my number four uh, brother set is the Einstein Brothers of Einstein Brothers Brand Bagels Company. <laughs> yes! Uh, <laughs> now, let's, okay, so for a little backstory for the audience, I, I, I live in, in uh, Glendale currently in L.A., but I, I just moved here from New York like two years ago or something. And it is impossible, I say, impossible to live in New York for more than like a week and not fall in love with bagels, right? I think everybody probably loves a bagel, but like you live in New York and you just it's it's in the water, literally, I guess, <laughs> the bagel love. Um, yeah. So, <clears throat> look. Einstein Brothers brand bagels are not the best bagels in the world. I, I'm not making that argument, of course. But I ask, is the world a better place for the presence of Einstein Brothers brand bagels? Oh. And I would say unequivocally, yes. Uh, a little bit of history for you. This bagel company uh, was like, I think, many large national brands, kind of like a conglomerate of a bunch of smaller local bagel companies that uh that came together originally like back in the 90s under the name progressive bagel concepts incorporated <laughs> uh, <laughs> which i think is pretty pretty badass because until this point i asked has anyone in history really seriously interrogated the concept of a bagel before progressive <laughs> bagel concepts incorporated i would say probably not also has anyone ever committed to a progressive breakfast before in history i don't think so i don't know about you but i am all for a pro-choice breakfast personally uh it's like the opposite of a prayer breakfast. I uh, yeah, exactly. And so much better, Nathan. So much better. Uh, I'm a pro-life uh, cinnamon flavor uh, person. So. Out, out, you devil. <laughs> uh, and also as like a little side bonus, uh, one of these many like little bagel companies that formed to make Einstein Brothers brand bagel company uh, was called uh, Brackman Brothers Bagels, uh, which are basically like name cousins to us Brinkman Brothers. So I think that, <laughs> you know, is good. So, I, you know, I, I, admittedly, like I, I don't have a whole lot more to say aside from the interesting history of Einstein Brothers Bagels, uh, Einstein Brothers brand bagel company, um, because I think the product speaks for itself, my friends. <laughs> like, how, where would you be in this life without a bagel with a generous schmear or in everything with a lox and some thinly sliced cucumbers and red onions or, you know, like Mitchell was alluding to, the sweet treat, a cinnamon a cinnamon bagel with a, a honey or a fruit schmear of your, uh, you know, of, of your choosing. And so Einstein Brothers have played no small part in making the bagel a staple on the breakfast table. And for that reason, they deserve a place in history. That's, I'm very curious to hear if Mitch has any rebuttal to this because I've I've known the the two of you as brothers for a long time, and this I feel like you were speaking with one mind and one heart as Brinkman <laughs> threw that to me. That was... <laughs> I, I I was curious. I don't know in your research about uh, Progressive Bagel Concepts Incorporated were they the ones that brought the the the, the sugar crusted. Uh, bagels, the Asiago cheese jalapeno bagels, those kind of things to market. Do you know is, are are those the first to do it? 
Uh, you know, I don't know if they're the first, but certainly they were the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, and I'm sorry, Andy, but I think I'm more of, of a New Yorker at heart than you are because it's everything or salt or garlic or dye. That's it. That's all I'm doing. I don't, I, I don't care for the sweet bagels. I don't care for the Asiago cheese. I am traditional in that sense. So you're so, boring. Um, oh. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, Mitchell. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not, not at all, my personal, friend. I, this isn't personal proclivities. I am making a universal appeal. I am making an <laughs> argument for the universal appeal of our good round little breakfast buds. You know, sure. boiled and baked, baby. <laughs> I have a you, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I just I've had their bagels before, and they're not bagels. They're just pieces of bread that are cut in the shape of a bagel. So. Uh, ah, I know, yes, I know, but again, know, to go back to our sort of conceptual framework, we find ourselves at a Hegelian dialectic here, right? <laughs> like both things are true. Bagels are amazing and yep. necessary and should be in the world, but Einstein Brothers bagels are not are good. Not but right, they do right. put more good into the world. They're not detracting from the world, right? You wouldn't kick a, an Einstein Brothers bagel out of bed, would you? Uh, after I was done with it, yeah, sure. Well, that that was the fastest we've ever gone from highbrow comedy to lowbrow comedy in the history of the show. I salute you for it. But Brian, it's time for you to the make circle. sense of this existential crisis. Oh, we got to hear Mitch's you number must... four first. Oh, that's right. I'm so sorry. Mitch, that's okay. lay it on us. Your number four. My number four is a classic pair, brothers. Uh, this... <laughs> The, these boys came out during a time of immense change in America, and that was, uh, so I'm talking about the Carter brothers, Jimmy and Billy Carter. Woo! Straight down here from Plains, Georgia. How you doing, boys? Buy some peanuts. Get, drink some beer. Let's do it. Um, that's that's a terrible, terrible. Uh, I love how the Carters are not just the Duke boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but, okay, so, so a couple, I mean, you guys, Jimmy Carter, obviously the president. Um, he experienced one of the the, um, the the largest meteoric rises of any uh, presidential candidate who was then elected. Uh, um, he was basically an unknown nine months before the election, and thanks to his appeal um, to uh, mass media um, like executives and their treatment of him, he was able to like become a, a very large public face very quickly. Um, I don't agree with all the things that he said in his campaign in terms of like how he, he kept like segregationist voters on his side. Um, he, he said some pretty uh, dodgy things about uh, about not wanting to prevent people from keeping their neighborhoods pure if they didn't want people coming in. So like he, he kind of rode both sides of the fence. He's also the first evangelical candidate uh, ever elected. And his presidential election, w what helped the um, uh, Republican strategist realize uh, what they needed to push on, and that was uh, e evangelical and, and Christianity and that kind of thing. Uh, but also, interesting point, him and JFK are the only presidents to win an election in the 21st century, sorry, in the 20th century, and not carry California. So, ah, that's fun. Take that uh, <laughs> back to your friend circle and, and mention that. Andy, do you have a comment? Do you want to jump in? I was going to say, interesting. <laughs> Yeah, okay, if it's cool, anything yeah. our <laughs> listeners want more, it's electoral college history. God damn it, Mitch. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, come on. What? Uh, but also, he was he was uh, in his naval career. Uh, at one point, he had to deal with a a, a nuclear uh, accident. Him and his team, and so that actually uh, caused him to not want to continue to develop the neutron bomb, which is kind of cool. Uh, he was pro signing uh, a treaty with Russia to uh, de-escalate the the uh, nuclear proliferation. Um, he wanted a, a separate. Um, uh, 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 agency for um, education. Um, he he wanted public financing of congressional campaigns, which I think is very cool. Take the money out of the campaign would be a great thing. Um, he wanted to reduce the defense budget. Um, he wanted to substantially increase taxes on the on the very wealthiest and and reduce taxes on uh, middle and lower income. So in general, good president. And of course, we know he he went on to live very long and and has done Habitat Humanity. Wonderful guy. Uh, also a cinephile, too. He watched a ton of movies in the White House, which is kind of cool. But then you look at his brother. During the campaign, the press went to Plains, Georgia, their hometown, to go figure out what this Jimmy Carter guy was really all about because no one really knew who he was. And there at the gas station town, they found the purveyor of the gas, Billy Carter himself. He held a uh, informal uh, salon of buffoonery, if you will. And his buddies <laughs> guzzled beer, drank peanuts, and shot the bullshit all day long. Turned out he was an incredible spokesman. Um, he basically would would uh, would take a check to promote anything. Um, at one point, he was the spokesman for Lolita Peanut Liqueur while while uh, Jimmy Carter was in office, and famously. He had his own beer named after him. It was called Billy Beer, produced by Fall City Brewing um, in, in Louisville. But but the problem was that the beer wasn't so good. And so the tagline, which uh, Billy would say, um, which was, I had this beer brewed up just for me. I think it's the best I ever tasted. And I've tasted a lot. I think you'll like it too. Uh, but the problem was, it was so bad that he would go to these promotional events for Billy Beer get drunk and then tell the media that he actually just drinks PBR all day, every day. And, and, <laughs> a man and after so just, my own heart. <laughs> right. It would just totally undercut the Billy beer over and over and over again. Um, and like at one point he was famous for saying, uh, um, uh, like my heart is what I, I have a red, a red hat, a white shirt and a blue beer in my hand or something like that. Um, <laughs> referring to the, the blue ribbon award, uh, that perhaps won at the 1893, uh, Columbia exposition in Chicago. Um, and then uh, there's just Billy, Billy Carter is just such a fascinating guy. He's just, he basically, uh, just a buffoon and a drunk and you would, and you would go to these public appearances. He once peed on a carpet, like a red, like a walk-in carpet in front of everyone. He was so wasted. Um, he he uh, developed contacts in Libya and became a registered agent of Libya and got a, a loan from uh, Muammar Gaddafi. I don't know how he figured that out being wasted, but he he, he figured that out. He got some cash there. Um, Carpet so pissers, just, dude. Just, yeah, there, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everything's a rug epic. It always comes back to the rug, my friend. Um, it's all about rugs, man. It's all about rugs. Uh, but in in a in, in a sad twist of fate, uh, just like their sister, uh, Billy uh, succumbed to pancreatic cancer at the age of fifty one. So the fact that Jimmy just keeps on living, baby, uh, or do we? Did he pass away? He's still alive. He's still alive. Okay, sorry. <laughs> that plays into my points like, here. So I was, 
Okay. As of recording, he is still alive. Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. But, um, but let's it, let's let's wrap it up just in case. <laughs> keep it up. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Okay. That's that's my number four. Uh, J- uh, Jimmy Carter, Billy Carter, uh, just two wonderful um, two sides of a coin. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm I somehow had missed out on this this gem of a human being, Mitch. So so thank mm. you for bringing him to my attention. But you're welcome. It's. It's, of course, not me who you have to impress. It's Brian. And so, Brian, the floor is yours for the scores. Absolutely. Uh, back to Andy for his Einstein bagels. You said three things that tickled my fancy. Sweet treat, schmear, and breakfast buds. For those three things, you're getting three points. And yes! Over to Mitch. I mean, it's the Carter brothers. That's great. Uh, you didn't even know if your own subject was still alive. Not working great for you. And you skipped over the best setup of all time. You didn't say that the rug he pissed on tied the room together. You missed it. It was right there. So you're only getting two points <laughs> for the Carter Bros. Well, t- technically the rug was outside. So you didn't we'll say that. So you there you didn't go. say okay. that. <laughs> all right. Okay. So I, I do, I do, I do want to commend Mitch here for a very important contribution, which was he just unwittingly described our show better than anybody ever has when he used the t- phrase salon of buffoonery which <laughs> has to go in our advertising materials from now on <laughs> that i agree so so that was that was uh that was top notch sir all right i believe we need to move right, on to round much. number three we're gonna go go back to to andy please reveal and defend your number three Yes, uh, my number three pick for the best brothers of all time is the Wilson brothers. You know them as Owen, Luke, and Andrew. And the reason (laughs) that I've chosen the Wilson brothers is because... I think th- I think they're incredibly inspirational figures because of the delta <laughs> between the skill, the talent that they have and the uh, success that they have achieved. Right. Like, I don't know if there's any set of brothers in history who have done so much with so little <laughs> as the Wilson brothers. And for that reason, they're my number three. Uh, so. Uh, the, the we're going to go in actually not even chronological order. We're going to go in like fame order here. So like <laughs> Owen Wilson, everybody knows Owen Wilson, right? Clearly the most talented of the three Wilson brothers. He co-wrote Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, and Royal Tenet Mounds with Wes Anderson in addition to acting in those films. All three, I think, great films. Rushmore for me personally is probably my favorite of the, uh, yes. the entire Wes Anderson uh, oof, again, uh, to use that word for a second time. Uh, and, you know, I think despite, despite honestly, Owen Wilson not bringing much more than an, oh, wow, to the table, he's been, he's managed to be in like 60 films over the course of his career, spanning like wow. almost every genre, right? Like he, I think he was nominated for, I probably should have done this research ahead of the show. I think he was nominated for an Oscar for uh, that Woody Allen movie that he was in, Midnight in Paris. Correct. In Paris. That is the name yes. of the movie. Yeah. Uh, of course, he's been in a bunch of comedies, but for me, uh, the best, the pinnacle of the of Owen Wilson's film career is Behind Enemy Lines, which is one of <laughs> the dumbest <laughs> dumb guy action movies ever made in probably starring Owen Wilson. And the reason that I love this movie so much is that it has an, a really absurd scene at the end of the film that is like four minutes straight 
of Owen Wilson running through a snowy field while like 200 enemies behind him shoot at him with guns, somehow missing him. He's running towards a cliff to just jump off the cliff. And then his like some friendly helicopters come up the cliff and they're like waving him on like, come on, Owen. I don't even know what his name is in the movie. Owen, come and (laughs) jump onto the helicopter like an action guy. And he runs. And as he's running, the movie cuts to a flashback of earlier in the film where he landed in like a gross pool of like dead bodies, like war crimes shit. And he has this flashback where he sees the war crimes that he landed on an hour earlier. And he's like, he it cuts to a close up of him literally being like, no, I'm not just going to run away. And he stops, <laughs> turns 180 and runs headlong back into this like hundred dudes shooting machine guns at him. Does a slide like a baseball slide for like 15 feet with one foot in the air, shooting his handgun like wildly. And then what is he, he does all this? What is he after? He's after a fucking a computer chip that is buried in the snow. Uh, and so he like reaches into a computer and plucks out this computer chip and then stands out and again runs back to the helicopters that are now waiting for him who are also shooting. So there's bullets going both directions. It's all in slow motion. It takes literally four minutes for this action to happen. And it is incredible. Uh, I, I saw this film in the theater for God knows what reason, but I did see it at... Uh, the discount theater, one of the discount theaters in in uh, in St. Paul, outside of Minnesota, called the Roseville Four. It was two bucks to get in. It we would always go there because uh, there was a grocery store right next door. It was the worst setup for a movie theater you could possibly think of. You would just go to the grocery store next door, buy whatever treats you wanted for the film, go into the discount movie theater run by fourteen year olds or fifteen year olds who don't give a fuck and eat whatever. And so they just made no money. The floors were like so sticky that your shoes would almost come off when you walk through the theater. Uh, and when I saw this particular film, I was like a really shitty teenager. I bought a roll of chocolate chip cookie dough, like in the tube uh, as to eat as like a snack in the theater. And I had like half of it got sick and then just left the half-eaten oh roll of cookie dough behind in the movie theater. Not my proudest oh. moment, but an incredible movie. Okay, so Luke Wilson, I'm not going to keep it short because that was a lot on Owen, but Luke Wilson, he deserves to be in this list for idiocracy alone. He's just such a sweet, dumb, handsome boy. Uh, he also, something that I, I came across in, in my research is that he really wants to be a dad. He's not married. He's had a string of girlfriends, but he wants to be a father so badly that like the press noticed this. And there's like one reporter who, who said, Luke, you said in 1996 that you wanted to be a father. What's going on? Uh, and this is in 2000, this is in 2019 that a press person asked that. And he's like, my mom doesn't even ask me these questions. Uh, and he's like, I, I want to be a dad so badly, but I guess, uh, I guess I got to get down to work. I'm 47 already. And it's like, what kind of just like a, uh-huh. a sweet boy is out in the press talking about how he wants to be a dad uh, so much <laughs> that like they remember and bring it up like 10 years later. Um, oh, boy. And then here for Andrew Wilson, I just I don't literally don't have anything written down. Like lol. he gets by on his handsome squint, you know. But uh, he gets to ride his brother's coattails. Uh, that's that's gonna be his obituary, Andrew Wilson. <laughs> I didn't have anything written down. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, to wrap up, 
uh, a really a quick a quote from Owen Wilson's uh, Tour de Force Marley and Me. A dog doesn't care if you're rich or poor, clever or dull, smart or dumb. Give him your heart and you'll, he will give you his. How many people can you say that about? How many people can make you feel rare and pure and special? How many people can make you feel extraordinary? And I am telling you right now, the Wilson brothers can. They're my number three. Wow. Wow. That's beautiful. I I mean, Mitch, we need to hear your number three, but I, as somebody who's spent thousands of hours our freshman year of college rewatching uh owen wilson's great performance in wedding crashers i i have yep. to hear your thoughts on on your brother's uh number three first wow 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 um, <laughs> I, I i have to say at first i thought it was cool but the the whole luke wilson in old school and everyone calling him mitchapalooza that sort of like that was real annoying freshman year uh and unfortunately you know also was something I, I I played into and I'm not proud of. Um, the Wilson brothers, though, I, I I couldn't agree with you more, Andy. The delta between the success and the and the talent is uh, unconscionable. Obviously, they have to thank Wes Anderson for everything. Um, that's that's pretty clear. Um, but my number three is uh, another. You know, th- these are another. This is another fictional brothers, but uh, but they're incredible. They're the best. And that is, um, they're a businessman, a magician, and a poor soldier, um, the Bluth boys. So um, this is Michael Bluth, Joe Bluth, and Buster Bluth. Yes. Um, a, a, a mama's boy, a motherless boy, and a mother's boy, I'm calling them. Uh, n- n- never has anyone created a better uh, comedic triumvirate uh, to play off of each other. Uh, Michael Bluth, of course, the the consummate and uh, top level straight man, uh, but also not the hero, not always the good guy. Uh, he does some pretty reprehensible things. Um, Joe Bluth will be forever uh, remembered for his um, for his uh, fuck ups at, at spring break um, on girls with low self esteem. Uh, but he redeemed himself by making the yacht disappear. And um, Buster Bluth, if you can find him, you know he is a Milford man. Uh, he's he's good for a great conversation about sweaters um, or juice, and um, <laughs> these three boys kept me kept me company uh, for a good part of the f- uh, first chunk of college. I'd watch Arrested Development on DVD, just let it play. Uh, Nathan knows all about the the, the DVD uh, music playing in the background. Um, <laughs> sure do. <laughs> yep, uh, and uh, God, you know. Michael Michael wants his, his mother's love and he you know L- Lucille can play everyone obviously she's she's a master manipulator um, he loves it when his mother loves him and is being nice to him Job all Job wants is anyone to pay attention to him and love him but you know he's the worst you know and they all know that and Buster poor Buster uh, you know he, he knows his place in life but he just you know he, he wants his uh, his wings to spread and fly, but he wants his mom underneath him at all times, just making sure he doesn't fall. Um, they're they're just they're they're just they're just incredible brothers. So um, I I don't know if I have to say much more than that. I mean, you know, I guess some of my favorite moments. I mean, the 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 Michael Bluth double take is incredible. Um, Mr. Banana Grabber, baby Banana Grabber, and any uh, Banana Grabber characters that emanate therefrom, <laughs> wonderful. Um, and uh, and you know, I love Buster, it when Buster, Buster gets Buster his juice. 
<laughs> oh, when Buster's like when it, Buster's like cranked up on that juice, oh baby, <laughs> look out, Mitch. He, Mitch my question is, the, uh, yeah, my question for you, Mitch, is 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 uh, Andy provided a hypothesis here about the the Wilson brothers, in which sure. uh, overachievement in itself is a skill. Sure. Now, what is what is this the hidden superpower of the Bluth brothers as a collective to you? I mean, it's, it's, uh, boy, they don't deep, have deep much. Breath, it's just Michael. <laughs> I mean, he's the one that, that, that had to choose to hold them all together. Uh, Michael did. And I mean, if, really, if I could, I, if I could interject a hypothesis here to help my own brother out here, I think the yeah. Bruce, the, the, the Bluth brothers, boy, who knew there would be so many challenging bees to say in this episode? Um, brothers, the Bluth brothers, uh, are are perfectly represented uh, metaphorically by the model home that uh, Arrested Development takes place in. It's this <laughs> shoddily constructed, mostly hollow, barely held together facade. And I think that is the perfect metaphor for the brothers and the rest of the family, right? Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. This is... This is sons of architects here talking about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's all, all right. it's all, it's all one big illusion. Um, <laughs> all right. Brian, it's, it's, it's over you just to, to pour the round out, please. All right. It's pretty easy here. Three points to Mitch. It's arrest development. It's the blue. So you get three points. Andy, uh, I was only going to give you, uh, two points because you were wrong here. Uh, Owen was only nominated for screenwriting for a uh, Royal Tenenbaums. It was a golden globe nominee for midnight in Paris and an Alliance Shoot. of Women Film Journalists nomination for Midnight in Paris. So you didn't get that one, but you did oh, call that's Luke. That's the dreamiest nomination. Yeah, you did call Luke a sweet, dumb, handsome boy. So you were also getting three points for this round. <laughs> I'll take it. Thank you, Brian. Yes, you're welcome. All right, beautiful. That moves us on to our number twos. We're getting closer to the summit of brotherhood. And Andy, it's your turn again. Please give us your number two. Sure thing. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe my my number two is a little bit more niche, uh, but I felt like I had to get one in here for me. I also wasn't sure ahead of time. Sorry for all these preambles. This is just, you're just going to have to live with it. Um, get to it. God damn it. Jesus. I thought maybe Nathan would be judging. I wasn't sure if Nathan or Brian was judging, so I thought, oh. I know that classic rock is kind of in Nathan's wheelhouse. Ray and Dave Davies, the two brothers at the heart of the band, The Kinks. Now... You might be asking yourself, who are the kinks? Well, uh, I'm sorry that you I'm have not. so little knowledge of rock music. They're one of the most influential bands uh, of of all of rock music, I would argue. They started out uh, in the early 60s um, as like, you know, a brother formed group called the Dave Davies, the Dave Davies Quartet in the early days, playing around uh, in a lot of the same clubs with a lot of those early sort of like British invasion bands. Uh, they had a lot, there's a ton of cross pollination happening <laughs> back then. Uh, and so they started out playing like the skiffle and early like blues rock kind of stuff and wrote like a lot of like, um, you know, a lot of like really great sort of early blues rock style songs like it probably everyone knows the song you really got me now that's one probably one of their biggest hits uh which you know is an incredible song and uh it was i i learned did you know that van halen's first ever single that they put out was a cover of 
you uh, you really got me now. I didn't know that. Yes, it's what I, it's I, the follows did, eruption. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan knew that. See, ah, <laughs> uh, see, I I calibrated this one to the I uh, to the host instead of the judge. I knew I fucked up. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so so they they had a lot of cross ball. Like they played with um uh uh what's his name? I am I can't see it in my notes now. Never Rod mind. Stewart. Rod Stewart. Thank you. That's who I'm trying to think of uh, in the <laughs> early days. Uh, he like was briefly their lead singer. Uh, and uh, they also had Charlie Watts. Uh, uh, like Ray Davies played with Charlie Watts briefly, who was the longtime drummer of the Stones. And so like still is still is. Just, Here's the yeah. hope in 2021. Still hoping. <laughs> right? Both, like, both Brinkman brothers throwing around the wases a lot today. Like I'm Jimmy so Carter so was Charlie Watts was <laughs> Jesus. Also, okay. uh, also, I'm just I got to jump in. Jimmy Page played some lead guitar on some uh, some early uh, Kinks records. Yes. Uh, and, and, and so the, like the, the DNA of like 20, uh, 20th century rock itself is like woven into the history of the kinks. Uh, and they are also woven into the history of rock. But for me, honestly, um, the, the and, and, like the, the, the best kinks, the thing that makes the kinks worth putting on this list is the album, the Muswell Hillbillies, which oh, came out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Right. Like it came <laughs> out favorite. in 71. Didn't it was a f- commercial flop. Uh, it was like critically well received, but it wasn't like a big wasn't a big like moment in the kinks history. But that album has aged so well and speaks directly to my soul. Like there's it, it makes me feel bad and good in equal measure. Uh, let me explain. There's all these sh- these songs that are about like the stresses and anxieties of living life, right? Like working, being a working man. 20th century life is like technology stresses me out. There's a uh, acute schizophrenia disease song, right? Which is like literally just about being anxiety written. All this stuff speaks immediately to the core of me and makes me feel anxious. But then I think, holy shit, this album was written 50 years ago. And all of these same, the same emotional cores of these songs are like the same and he's feeling the same way, which means probably the world isn't ending the way I feel the world is ending sometimes. <laughs> and that makes me feel oh, good, you know? This uh, is beautiful. So there you go. The, the Davies brothers belong on the list of the greatest brothers of all time. Well, you, I mean, one of, the, one of the great tactics on this show is playing to the host. And 60s London rock and roll and uh, the cross-pollination you mentioned is basically the number one interest in my life and has been for many years. When I lived in London, I literally looked at a few apartments. I didn't know where to live. And I, I literally looked at places in, in Moswell Hill because I was like, well, I like that album. So I might even like, so I literally <laughs> went and just looked. So Nathan, that's how much I love that, that album. album made you think that seems like a good place to live? <laughs> well, <laughs> the title. Because, because, because it meant I could probably afford it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is, I you have... If if I had the power to score, you would be getting a, a record-setting amount of points. So I salute you. But it's going to be up to Brian to how much, how much he wants to see me uh, happy about this, versus uh, his own thoughts and uh, and how he feels. Mitch is going to do here with his number three. Uh, we'll wait till you hear Mitch's number two before I before I score this. Or two, 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 two. Sorry. Wow. I, I, I can only applaud Andy. Uh, Muswell Hillbillies is one of my three favorite albums. So um, I didn't know that, Mitchell. Look at this. Oh, I'm yeah. learning things about love my that. own brother. <laughs> love that. A- absolutely love it. 
Um, oh. I would say the like the only other like the only other joy I get. I mean, like that's that's a wonderful thing. I also love um, other joys in my life. Pulling pranks. I love pulling pranks. Uh, best prank I ever pulled. Um, saran wrap on the toilet seat. Uh, got Andy real good. <laughs> I that one. Uh, With a one, it was a one, not a two. <laughs> it, 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 yes, it was a one. Uh, but 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 I heard the what? Oh God! And then the do 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 up the stairs, burst my door open, and came in and punched me. Very 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 delicious punch. I totally deserved it. I loved every moment of it. Um, so yeah. But my number two. Uh, is another set of brothers that I'm sure played tons of pranks on each other. I'm sure they gave each other a lot of shit. Uh, there's definitely a hierarchy. And these brothers very directly impacted uh, a huge part of my comedy life as a child, and that is the Wayans brothers. Oh. Why isn't anyone applauding? My God, these guys are incredible. Okay, uh, if, if, if it, I don't know if you guys watched it, but Andy and I, we watched a ton of In Living Color that shit was so good, so funny. Uh, basically, it was just like the Wayans family um, sketch show, um, led by Keenan Ivory, the oldest guy. Um, uh, Nathan, you'll like this. He wrote and starred on a comedy salute to Michael Jordan in 1991. Um, uh, I remember. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dang it. I was hoping you hadn't seen that yet. Uh, but yeah. Um, and then, of course, there, there's Damon, and then there's Sean. Marlon, and then, uh, of course, you know, there's Kim, but she's not a brother, but uh, she was also on the show. Um, you know, y- you could debate who had the more, you know, success in terms of, like, shows they created. Uh, Keenan Ivory has created and writes on, like, The Last OG now. Uh, Damon had his own sitcom, um, and he was kind of, like, a bit of a movie star in the early 90s, uh, Major Pain. Um, he was uh, did a Bruce Willis film, uh, The Last... What was it called? The Last Boy Scout. Um and like Sean and Marlon are kind of like they they kind of continued on the the helm and working with Keenan in the, the parody films that they that they uh, they did you know all the scary movies, um, uh, White Chicks and uh, there's one that was like Fifty Shades of Black I think it was the recent one, um, but the main thing here I want to talk about is in is in Living Color um, how influential and fucking hilarious these these brothers were. Uh, my favorite um, characters, Homie D. Clown. He don't play that. Uh, it was the most just angry, uh, embittered uh, child's party clown, the best ever, played by Damon Wayans. Um, absolutely love him. Uh, prisoner Oswald Bates. Uh, you know, <laughs> yes, w- yes. when you really get down to the t- to the perception and the peak innuendo uh that's when the true triangle reveals the power of the nintendo uh just absolute <laughs> baloney bullshit skewing the, the english language um love that character um i mean uh, appealing to our maybe this is where our, our true love of fecal humor started was anton jackson the man who carried his own <laughs> facilities with him um, yeah. you know he he loved to try and appreciate the finer things in life shakespeare in the park but you know he was not above uh, taking boogers uh, out of his nose and you know placing them someplace for later, um, or or uh, offering his facilities to someone else who had used the restroom. Um, Fire Marshal Bill, Jim Carrey's, like might be his, his comedic uh, peak. Um, the well, yeah, these just, guys gave Jim Carrey their his big break. Like we wouldn't have Jim Carrey without these brothers. Absolutely, Andy. I was going to say, and and J Lo, Jennifer Lopez got her start as a fly girl. 
on the win- she on was the a wins flight. or uh, in the absolutely. Yeah. Um, also, Jamie Foxx was a featured player on season two. Uh, his character Wanda was very famous for being just absolutely hideous, but having an incredible amount of self confidence and just knowing she was a snack. And that when people would literally like <laughs> jump back in horror, she'd be like, "I don't know why they're acting like they just saw some kind of ghoul. I don't know what the fuck they're looking at." And uh, yeah, so incredible. David Allen Greer, another um, legendary comedic performer, uh, w- one of my favorites uh, uh, throughout the past uh, three decades. So. The Wayne's brothers just kept on giving um, the whole family. They're just just kept creating, kept writing, kept producing stuff. So uh, they they are very high on my list. And um, actually doing research on this, I ended up watching in living color clips for a solid two hours. And <laughs> sure, it dates itself sometimes. And there's like, you know, whatever, some some off color stuff like, you know, men on film, you know, uh, probably a, a little offensive now, but. Um, at the time, uh, quite quite incredible. So Wayne's well, brothers. I, I know that I know that the rest of my uh, Saturday that we recorded this after we uh, we go our separate ways here. I'm going to be listening to the Kinks and watching in living color. So yeah. simultaneously, you guys, you guys have set me up for success. Uh, so uh, so I'm pretty thrilled about this round. But Brian, how do you feel? I feel pretty good because even though Andy was playing to you, he has no idea about my Van Halen phase freshman year of high school where I drew the Van Halen (laughs) logo in Sharpie on my red Jansport backpack. Hell yeah, brother. As Van Halen, uh, the album uh, starts with uh, Running With The Devil, Into Eruption, Into You Really Got Me, Into Ain't Talking About Love, plus the kinks known for you really got me and father christmas that's three points um that's not a problem there but mitch if this was all about in living color you'd be getting five points because in living color is amazing but you had to include marlin on this list and while (laughs) i was uh filming a promo for a haunted house 2 Marlon was just a total dick, so I can only give you two points. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, he was not a he was not a pleasant guy. He had a very big ego and was just like leaving his gum places and going behind a closed bar and like pouring himself a drink in this place that we weren't really allowed to be like doing things in. He was just kind of a nightmare. So you only get two points for that. Sorry. You know what? This may not be a smart strategic move, but that I have to defend my brother here. This is the brother Thank episode. You. How could Mitchell have known that you had a negative experience with Marlon Wayans, Brian? I to, should have. Now that, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I think he did evoke white chicks, which I thought was a strategic misstep. In, in yeah, that, I, but still, you know, I mean, that was it's without my remit for this episode. But I was I was biting my tongue pretty hard at the mention of that, that <laughs> piece of cinematic uh, mastery that we. You could have mentioned Little Man or Dance Flick as well. <laughs> it would have been like, wow. Because Keenan Ivory I, is know, clearly I, the patriarchy here. He's 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 the brains of the operation and the one yeah. we owe it all to. But it's yeah. Marlon who brings down <laughs> brings down their value, unfortunately. The, the reason right, well, I, I mentioned white chicks is because I've met one of the cast members, uh, comedian Gary Owen, uh, before. So you know, I consider you know a friend to be in that film. So that's why I mentioned it. <laughs> um, you're practically in it, Mitchell. So you know, yeah. Yeah. I had Thanksgiving with the guy. You know, it's like that's you know that's that that's part of my history now. So I promise, when we talk much. about the most influential TV shows or best sketch comedy shows of all time, you will be getting at least five points for *In Living Color*. But until that day comes, okay. I'm sorry. 
Okay. All well, right. Well, the, you, you know, the, 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 the maddening ingrace of your incompetude is really uh, working to overslap <laughs> uh, the, the cerebral uh, back time of my, of, my, of, my, of my skull time. So, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Impressive. <laughs> oh, oh. Thank you. Okay, then. Well, there's only one place to go after that, and that is to our number ones on the list. This is it. It all comes Just down for to Andy. This. Just for Andy. That's right. We only have Andy's number one. Mitch has already been... Uh, Exposed by Andy's uh, expert play of uh, <laughs> listing the Cohen brothers, it is number five. So, Andy, the floor is yours to bring us home. It's all to play for. Let's have your number one. Uh, so, f- f- in an eleventh hour twist, I'm going to reveal something about myself. I'm a huge video game nerd, uh, and no. so what? Yeah, weird, right? Um, my number one uh, greatest brother duo of all time is the Super Mario Brothers. Uh, nice. Oh yeah. It, people often forget the super. The super is very yeah. important. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in my opinion, no other brother duo in history can touch Mario and Luigi just on the sheer number of lives saved, like alone. Right? They have gone into the Mushroom Kingdom countless times, uh, and and single handedly, brother, double handedly uh, ensured the continuity of the toadstool crown. Like there would be no monarchy in the toadstool kingdom without Mario and Luigi. Let's just be clear. So for you royalists out there, um, they, they started out from humble beginnings. They seemingly are parentless in, uh, in the sequel to super Mario world. Uh, they're both babies. They literally defeat, a Bowser who would be their lifelong enemy uh, and go on an adventure across spike pits and dark caves and like haunted castles all this while infants literally in diapers literally in diapers saved the world I I don't know how you can get more heroic uh, than that but it's not just the actual uh, the the actual direct action of the Mario brothers that makes them so great Uh, it's it's their their cultural heroics. The Mario Brothers are lifestyle icons that have done so much to normalize uh, what used to be far less accepted niche expressions. Some and some not so niche expressions, but like they've helped normalize drug use. Those motherfuckers are popping mushrooms constantly, <laughs> clearly on psychedelics of some type, right? But still, the protagonists still heroes, right? Furry culture. They wear they wear suits of all types, cat suits and stuff, uh, and still like heroes saving the day. Um, foot fetishists, Karibo's shoe from Super Mario Brothers three. You know, you're just getting all up inside of a giant shoe, bouncing around in there. Totally cool. Totally a cool guy hero thing to do. Strong facial hair. Like I, I also I would argue. Mustache rides. I, I don't want to I don't want to and I don't think I need to speculate on the uh, on the the sexual preference of the Mario Brothers, but I think you can make an argument for them being gay icons. They're incredibly impeccably groomed, uh, strongly harmonized colors, great big facial hair. I, I you just they and 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 they look their their skincare regime must be incredible because they look better today than they did 35 <laughs> years ago when they first came on the scene they icons i am telling you so they've made the the, the world a, a, a safer place physically and culturally and that is why i think the super mario brothers are the greatest brother duo of all time 
that was that was a beautiful uh beautiful defense of the super mario brothers i do Thank have you, a question that has that it's, it's bothered me for years oh. and i would like perhaps you can provide me with an answer and then i have a second question that's both for you and mitch but my first question is super mario brothers but their names are maru and luigi like if i was talking about you and mitch i wouldn't say oh it's the andy brothers i feel that would be very disrespectful to mitch so oh, oh, where does that name hierarchy come in it's mario mario and luigi mario much like dave oh. davies mario mario is just that much of a badass that he's got just name like twice. just okay. like the kinks oh yeah. well that, that was the perfect answer okay and then my my question to both of you is do you, and for God's sake, I hope you do, and if you don't, then who would it be? Who would be the lifelong enemy that the two of you have been fighting, dueling back and forth for decades now? The two of you against one. My Is there some dark, ghoulish figure from your past? Is it Brendan? Is it that kid that we Brandon. talked about? Yeah. Yeah. Kid named, we were texting about him this morning, actually. This kid, this, this, this little fucker named Brendan, who lived like three blocks away from us, went to our school, and he was, I think, in the grade between us, or maybe one, two above me and one below me or something, but he would bike around the neighborhood, and he, he had a bottle of, of water and bleach, and he would spray kids with a bleach substance. What a dick. Like, yeah, it was like actually quite dangerous. You can blind a child with yeah. bleach in the eyes. Yeah, and he had this fucking uh, even bigger than our foreheads, like just just massive, disgusting, pale forehead. This gross Which, little for, for, curly list, hair. for people listening only, that's a large forehead. That's a very <laughs> big forehead. It's a very big yeah. forehead. And he just always had this, God, this face. Like he was eleven, but you're like, did you just go smoke a cigarette? Like you just like gross little <laughs> crap head. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and so we the, the went the the one day went like the the straw that broke the camel's back. He was like riding around our block, spraying bleach at us again. And finally, Mitchell and I were like, "Fuck this little kid!" We get we get, we get our <laughs> like our baseball bats. Like he wasn't actually a little. He was our age, right? Not like we're yeah. chasing a child as adults, but we're like 10, 12, we get baseball bats. He's riding on his bike, and we start running down the block, chasing him, being like. I, I don't know. We weren't actually going to hurt him, but like uh, we chased after him. He ran. Scare tactics. Yeah, scare tactics. A hundred percent. Straight to his oh. house. By the time we got to his he, A, what an idiot. He led us directly to his house. <laughs> Not that we did anything, but he, we when we got there, his mom was at the front door. He was literally standing behind his mom, cowering and crying because we were chasing him. So, you know. Brandon, are you wearing are you wearing the shirt that you were hit with the bleach that day? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I carry the emotional scars to this day. I, I, I'm t this this Brendan kid is is lucky that uh, you weren't as fast as Mitch was boasting about at the beginning. Because if, if you two had caught him before he got behind his mother, I hate to think what would have happened. If, if, if he hadn't been great. on his bike, I absolutely would have caught him. And then Andy would have come up with the hefty lefty swing that he normally put the you know put the balls over the right field fence and just would have crushed a kneecap easily so would have been awesome and we'd be recording from prison <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah the sound quality I, wouldn't be as good from behind glass <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh brian it's it's down to you now to, to square out andy's uh number one and this will close out the game so please let us know what you're scoring for Andy for round one and give for us the sure. final scores. Tell us who is the victor in this battle of the brothers. Uh, my last. We'll finally win their parents' adoration. Oh, at last. Oh, oh at last. <laughs> uh, Andy, your no. argument was. Us. 
your argument was impeccable for uh, the Super Mario Brothers, and there's nothing I love more than a rags to riches story of two Italian plumbers. So we've got. Um, I was I was so happy he picked the Mario Brothers because I was sure he was going to pick the other Italian American brother the brothers, the Cuomo brothers. I was like, dead set. I was like, here comes here comes the Cuomos. Andy loves the Cuomos. Um, I do not. He has a whole. He has a secret Twitter account that's just like a Cuomo fanboy account. It's disgusting. And I'm a there's Cuomo a lot sexual. of workout picks. Cuomo <laughs> sexual. Oh man, I think this might be a record setting of one, two, three, four, three points in a row. If you would have had that stair done, it would have been a massive lead. But at 12 to 11, Andy Brinkman is the victor yeah, by one baby. point. Oh, he's done it. He's only gone and done it. Wow. He is our sweet, dumb, is. handsome boy today. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know who the Owen Wilson is, and we know who the Luke Good Wilson game. is in the Brinkman family. And that brings our show to a close, except... For my fast five, where now, at this moment, I am going to reveal the definitive list of the top five guys of all time. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> top five guys. Wait, hold on, hold on. N N Nathan, can I just say, w we played action figures as kids. We always called it guys. <laughs> we're going to play guys, we always say. So yeah. This is actually oh. incredible. So if, if Wolverine is on this list, you've won. So. Let's play guys. This is, this, is the, this is the most epic <laughs> game of guys we're ever going to play. The top five guys of all time. Number five, Guy Fox. Remember, remember, the 5th of November. On November 5th, Guy Fox was arrested at the Houses of Parliament in London where he had helped set up massive explosives in an attempt to assassinate King James I. Citizens were encouraged to celebrate by lighting bonfires across the city, a tradition that carries on to this day. However, masks of his likeness, made famous in the graphic novel and film V for Vendetta, are a symbol of anti-established protests everywhere. Was he a terrorist? Or was he, as he was described by one historian, the last man with honest intentions to enter Parliament? I don't have the answers. I can only say, what a guy. <laughs> Number four. Number four, Guy Lombardo. This affable band leader provided many hits and wholesome New Year's Eve entertainment live on TV and radio for over five decades. If subdued crooning and rooms of sterile white people dancing doesn't set your toes <laughs> to tapping, how about this? This guy was also a champion hydroplane racer, winning every trophy available in the sport, only retiring at age 57 after surviving a crash while attempting to break the absolute water speed record traveling at over 250 miles per hour. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. All you can say is, that's a hell of a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, that one guy. You know... Ah, that, that that guy. You remember he was that guy who was always running around with that what's her name and and we met them at the party at that other guy's house and he always wore that hat. Yeah, that guy. Uh, you, no, 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 not not him, the other guy. Yeah. Yeah, that one guy. <laughs> Number 2. <laughs> guy Fieri. <laughs> Make fun of the hair all you want. Make fun of the gaudy, kitschy, oversized, button-up, short-sleeve shirts that make him look as someone once described him to me as the guy who looks like he's perpetually on his way to a bowling alley. But <laughs> did you know he was responsible for raising over $20 million for unemployed workers in the service industry during the COVID-19 pandemic? 
What a great guy. Wow. Number one, Five Guys Burgers. <laughs> this fast, casual burger chain has enjoyed so much success that our number two on this list himself would even be envious. Then President Barack Obama even took fellow lawmakers out to lunch at a Washington, D.C. Five Guys location in 2011. And what an unbelievable slogan. Five guys when four guys simply aren't enough. (laughs) (laughs) And that's this week's edition of Uber Cinco. Our fair and just scorekeeper from out in Berwyn, Illinois has been... Brian Ernst. And our winner from Glendale, California has been... Andy Brinkman. And our loser from the Southport Corridor in Chicago has been Mrs. Brinkman's baby boy. Uh, Brinkman Boy 2.0, the better version. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been Nathan Hennifant. As Bisber always says, he ain't heavy. Horizontal stripes just aren't very slimming. Auf Wiedersehen and adios. (laughs) I know know one thing. I did that thing, that last piece into the camera. I kept doing that over and over. I did it. I did 15 takes on that camera, or on that thing where I'm looking into the lens in the end, talking about poor Donnie and blah blah, and you know that there's going to be a little Lebowski coming into the world. And I remember getting to about I don't know somewhere to take 14 or whatever it was. And, asking the guys and they both sit right by the camera both of the brothers and I said you guys got to tell me man I said I don't I don't know what you want you know tell me what you want I said oh shit we had it on the fifth or sixth take we just like watching it <laughs> You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash UBK Studios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay. Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys. Hey!